Episode number 181, Steve and Mike. Welcome to the Heads of Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. This is Mike Snyderman. How the hell are we, Mikey? Okay, okay. <laughs> right up. Kicking it old school today, just you and I, I guess, huh? Yeah, just the dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. But, uh, next week, though, uh, I've got an interesting guest coming up. Uh, we're getting Zach Elwood is coming back on again. Uh, the modern day Mike Carroll. Live okay. tells. Uh, I'm excited about this one. we got a special... Uh, Giveaway, Zach is being very generous, and he's going to give away a lifetime membership to his live video series, so Live Poker Tales video series. I've watched them all at least twice, and they came in really handy at the WSOP last year, so he's going to give away a free um, subscription to that, so stay tuned, and I'll tell you how you can get it. Very cool. Very nice. Pretty sweet, yes. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited. What are you? What are you up to? What are you up to, Steve? Where, where, where are you on vacation again? I know you only work like one day every every three months. Uh, that's pretty accurate. I wouldn't call it vacation. My uh, my shoulders healing up pretty well. Uh, two days ago was the last day that I had to uh, wear the sling, and so I um, I didn't wear it. Felt pretty good, and every day it feels like it's getting stronger. I've noticed a big correlation with sleep too. If I sleep like an extra you know, if I'm sleeping like nine hours or something, then when I wake up, my shoulders are a little bit stiffer, but it feels stronger than if I were to sleep only five or six hours and then wake up. Uh, so there's a big uh, healing process that's going on when I'm sleeping. And basically what I'm doing every day is I'm playing online poker for six to ten hours. And every five minute break, every hour I get up and I stretch it and do some physical therapy and then I go back to playing. So I think ideally, as far as recovery, this is probably the, the most efficient you could get, you know, doing physical therapy every hour for five minutes on an injury, and then I'm at least entertaining myself uh, in the meantime. But burning right through my uh, vacation leave and all my annual leave, when I go back, it'll probably be zero. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that's a bummer, but oh well, I'm just grateful that I could still, uh, that I had the time to be able to get paid while I'm off. Right. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Uh-oh. I went to. Uh, I had my I had a bad session last night. Mm. Lost nineteen hundred bucks. Mm. Live cash. Yeah, kind of. Again, this was like old. This was like old school. Four in the morning. It's like, oh, let me get the hell out of here. And um, I had trips, and basically, as played, the guy could only have a flush. I mean, it was runner runner. So it's like, what the hell could this guy have? Kind of. But, um, yeah, I'm sorry. What's what? There's something weird sound coming from, from my bathroom. I'm pretty sure it's an alien. He's broken into the house, Steve. <laughs> Could be that or Bigfoot. Yeah, that's about it. Sasquatch um, is equally anyways, not, not, not that interesting a hand, but for much of this year, I was, this is a, this was a hand I was capable of kind of laying down and just saying, you know what? This is just not a winning night. You know, even if you're playing perfectly 30, 40% of the time. Um, you're going to leave losing money at the casino, and this was going to be one of those nights. And if I folded this hand, I could have left down thirteen hundred rather than nineteen hundred. But you know, I don't know, Steve. Still got a lot of work to do here, mental game and other aspects of it. But whatever. How many hours a week have you been playing? Um, fifty hours a week, probably. Okay. Okay. Right, I grind long and hard. I mean, the games are pretty bad there sometimes, you know what I mean, where it's like basically even it, where you, my hourly is probably like 30 bucks an hour kind of thing. You know? Yeah. But I got to ground those hours. I got to grind those hours as well this is because it's just it's not really much of a choice. What else is going on here, Stevie? We uh, <laughs> What else has nice been going little, on? Nice little bump for Bitcoin this morning. I saw that. Yes. I'm... Uh pretty excited i saw it at 81 i'm like okay we haven't seen it this high in uh geez i don't know uh several months um i'll have to look in how i'm gonna sell this because somebody told me that bank america is is just totally off bitcoin really 
Um, okay. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's accurate. I don't do my research. I all, I get all my information from the world at poker tables, Steve. <laughs> so not the. So I was going to um, being lazy here is try to find an exchange that allows me to sell for for Bitcoin. Let me sell the Bitcoin to another exchange where I can hook it up with my Bank of America account, but that might be difficult. So uh, I might have to start a checking account at Wachovia or someplace else or find a bank that allows this. Um, yeah. I, I'll have to look into it. And, uh, you know, I still have to come decide what's the price where I'm getting out because, um, yeah, I just got too much of my money in there. And at some point I need to uh, – like I said, at the at the high point, I was up almost a hundred thousand on coin. Yeah. So I'd love to reach that point again, and uh, call it a, a great victory, and just get out, give up my chance for being a millionaire, but be happy that I have a, a decent life role. Yeah. I don't know if we're gonna. No, I don't know if I'm gonna get there. Still, the altcoin stuff, like some of them are going down in price. Yeah. Even on a even on a day with Bitcoin, I don't know how what I forget what percentage of your account is Bitcoin and what percent of yours is the used to you got a lot of the shitcoin, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not even altcoin anymore. Shitcoin, yeah. <laughs> uh, about half of it's Bitcoin. Uh, Twenty, eh, maybe thirty percent is the uh, Ethereum and Litecoin, and then the other twenty is uh, like or is uh, altcoin or air quotes shitcoin as we're <laughs> referring to it now. But, uh, I, I don't even I, know if I, that's, I, be, I don't know if that's a figure of speech um, <laughs> anymore. But yeah, some of the stuff it's, I'm just going to go go down with the ship, like the, the substratum, the one that I was that I have like four or five thousand of. I think I bought it two bucks. Yeah. Um. The, yeah, the, it's it's worth like nineteen cents or something. And there's a there's uh, there's like three of those that are basically just go, probably going to go down to zero but i don't know on the slight chance that one of them turns around you never know yeah i'm i, I went through my uh, role on uh, acr and so i got a redeposit and i'm like uh, what do i pull out i gotta use some of these uh coins like uh, to deposit which ones am i gonna pull and i'm like i don't know maybe i'm gonna pull out of some of those alt coins and just keep a few hundred of each one or something just to uh just in case it uh, goes back up, I can recover the dough, but I don't know. I don't know. Another part of me is like, don't sell any of it. Just keep it and ride out the storm, but I still got like 10K on the table that is just there, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I still, um, even the altcoins that are probably not going to, that are going to endure and have value, just might not have the growth of Bitcoin. Yeah, or might might not have the strength. Or I mean, definitely won't. But I, they're just not going to grow at the same level. So I, I have it. You know, my Monero and my Zcash and my Neo are supposed to be three of the stronger ones. But God only knows, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else is new. Not much. I've just been playing a lot of online poker and then doing therapy, and that's about it. I'm just trying to get back to work as soon as I can. My shoulder really is kind of unsightly looking i can see how guys go in to get the surgery so it aesthetically looks better because the collarbone on my right side is sticking up about an inch and a half where it should be <laughs> i'm still not used to looking at myself in the mirror even with a t-shirt you can you can very you can really see it it uh it's but it's basically you just have to relearn to use your shoulder because now the the bones are in different positions, so you got to build up some muscles, and other muscles are going to get weaker because they're not used as much. And it, uh, it's kind of a strange injury. This you is think weird. With modern technology, there would be a better fix for it, but they're really so. Isn't. It always, I'm, I'm confused. So it's not really healing. If it doesn't sound like that really is a heal, if it's your shoulder's still kind of out of whack, or that's. It's just as strong. It's just the, the clavicle is in a different spot. I'm confused. Yeah. So basically the clavicle, the collarbone where it attaches to your shoulder, not where it attaches to your chest and your sternum, but where it attaches to your shoulder, there's like three major tendons or ligaments there and those ripped and the whole collarbone went up. And now what has to happen is those, t those ligaments and tendons are not going to reattach themselves. Um, they're basically going to get consumed by the body. 
it looks at them as debris. And so now it has to regrow a bunch of scar tissue onto nearby connecting bones and muscles and ligaments. And then it kind of starts over. <laughs> and so that's your new shoulder, so to speak. Um, so it's, uh, they can go in surgically and kind of cut stuff out and try to put in pins and stuff to, uh, to get the, the bone down. But from what I've heard, your shoulder's usually not as effective as it would, would be had you not gotten the surgery. So, okay. So you're, you're not just listening to your doctor. You're kind of being your own doctor though and do a little research too. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on Google and then especially my physical therapist, he said he's seen a hundred of these. And, um, so I'm pretty much doing exactly whatever that guy says. <laughs> but, yeah. I, so the, the, the online poker, you're still, uh, even though uh, Ignition is much softer, you're still kind of an ACR guy just because just, just just for those piss breaks, huh? Well, that I have been playing Ignition, and I feel bad even saying that since you've had trouble getting money off of there. Nah, uh, that's fine. But it, uh, what I'm doing if I'm playing Ignition is I'll just play a 50 or or $100 tournament instead of like four twenty or $30 tournaments on, uh, on ACR. Um, I try to fill the screen with about, you know, a hundred bucks worth of buy-ins or so. So if they don't have a hundred dollar tournament coming up for a couple hours, then I'll jump in like, you know, a 50 and a 30 or something like that. But, um, I try to, I would rather have one big tournament on there where I can consistently have the breaks than have several on there and just never get one. Right. Okay. Yeah. You could you could go old school, Steve, with the piss bottle. I could. <laughs> that's what a lot of that's what a lot of uh, you know all the a lot of the the Gatorade bottle. <laughs> a lot of the online grinders will talk about that, especially those cat like heads up cash guys, where you're sitting there just waiting for someone to sit up sit with you and play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that one yet. <laughs> No, I never did. I was always playing on a laptop, and I want to go to the bathroom. I just pick it up and just pick it up. Yeah, I do the same thing. But never, never really been an issue. Yeah, yeah. For me, I just can't go that long. Like eight hours with no break. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I need to like mentally unwind. Well, I, uh, Carlos is here. Carlos is here, by the way. Oh, he's at your house. Yeah. Oh no shit. Okay. Is he sleeping or is he locked in? His no, well, I mean he's at he's at the library right now. He's doing doing some work, but uh, oh, okay. you, uh, maybe get him on. We should have uh, probably gotten us all at the same time, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. How's, uh, he, how long has he been out there? He he arrived yesterday. Okay. So him, me, and him are supposed to be working on a few things together here, losing weight. Okay. Um, and then getting back in real hardcore study mode, watching poker videos every morning. Right now. Um. We'll see how that works. Good deal. Good deal. What the, oh, I got a trip coming up with my dad. Uh, he's got a, a classic car. It's a 1956 Chevy uh, 210 Bel Air. Um, it's one of the, you know, the older cars, how they'd have the themes where it would be like painted white and then like baby blue or something. So it was like a two-tone color, white and red or white and black, you know. His is white and red. It's like that candy apple red, just a real bright red. The interior is the same. When you lift up the hood, he's done these custom valve covers with custom engraving. And and uh, anyways, he's won stuff at the shows and the car shows and all that. And he's driving his car. He's on the road now from Idaho all the way out to Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm going to fly out there and meet him uh, with another buddy and his dad. And then we're going to be hanging out for, I think, five or six days or something like that uh, doing this car show it's like a hot rodder thing where they they all meet up at one town and then they drive several states over to the car show and then put their cars on show and then and then drive back and so it should be an interesting uh, fun trip i've uh nice never been to a, a giant car show like that but he said there's like over ten thousand hot rods I'm like wow it's <laughs> impressive is the the bel air considered a hot rod no, not really. He he doesn't okay. have a hot rod motor in it. It's okay. It's he's a three twenty. I'm looking at it. I'm actually looking at it right now with the, the two tone with the baby blue and the white. So that must be the exact car he has. It's a it's a uh, he's got the red and white. Oh, the, the red, red and white. And, yeah. Okay. But I was just saying, you know, the style back then was to have the white top with the with the colored side, you know, and 
I like that. And that's what, uh, that's what he's got. When you open up the hood, it's beautiful. He spent weeks just on designing these valve covers, uh, custom engraved. And he's got an engraving of the car on one valve cover and then an engraving of 1956 with the, with the Chevy bow tie on the other one. And, you know, you open it up, everything's chrome. It just looks beautiful. But, um, it, <laughs> as, as is true with a lot of older cars, they, um, He's been having problems with it about every 300 miles. So I'm kind of curious if when my buddy and I land <laughs> out in Kentucky, if they'll be there or not. We'll see. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Time will tell. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a whole – is this your dad's only car? No, he's got more than one. Uh, no, I remember growing up at one point we had nine cars, uh, and I think only four of them ran. So he, he's kind of a collector of these these things. Right now he only has – Three cars, I believe. He's got his truck. He's got uh, my mom's car, and then he's got this one. There's got to be another one. He's got hidden somewhere that I'm not. What did your, maybe maybe uh, you already brought this up. What did your dad do growing <laughs> up? What was he? What was his job? Uh, well, he started out in the Navy. He did that for seven years, and then he got hired by a government contractor doing similar stuff that he was doing for the Navy. And then a buddy and he quit that job, and they opened up a muffler shop which is ironically the guy he's going with uh, on this car show. Um, and they opened up a muffler shop for about 10 years working on cars and doing exhaust systems. And then he sold that half of the business, and we moved up to Idaho for three years where he, air quotes, retired, and then realized that <laughs> he wasn't able to uh, save enough for retirement for the rest of his life at 35 years old. And uh, and then we uh, moved back to California. He went back to work for the same company that he originally worked for, for the government contractor, and retired out of there maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah, so basically government contractor work. I worked for the same company for two or three years. And we'd do things like, um, you know, those Humvees, uh, Humvees yeah. with a big... Uh, you know, camper on the back of them. We'd install satellite equipment and stuff like that. I was a painter there for a while, so we'd paint, paint uh, missiles and drones and, um, you know, all sorts of stuff for the, for the government. A lot of, like, military weapons type stuff. Right. Yeah. Pretty groovy, Steve. Yeah, it was kind of neat. Yeah, I remember, I'll never forget that I painted uh, one of these uh, missiles, and then I came back and I had to paint it again because there was... If you guys are a painter, you know what fish eyes are. It's like when you paint and there was a little piece of dust or something on the surface that you're painting and that the paint isn't able to grab onto that surface. So it kind of creates like this little dot in the middle and it's called a fish eye. I had to repaint it. <laughs> Things going to blow up. And I had to repaint the damn thing. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> Why is this country in debt? <laughs> yeah, really, huh? You know? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, when, when is our uh, Steve as we bounce around aimlessly from topic to topic? When is your uh, you probably when is our uh, our economy going to turn south here? It's got to happen soon, right? I was listening to some guys on this. Well, it's been eight years of growth, but typically this is about the amount of time that it. Usually, every eight years, there's some kind of dip. The question is how big or how bad it'll be. Was it the Joe Rogan podcast? Uh, no. Okay. I heard a similar thing on that one. And the guy was saying about the same thing. He said, it's been eight to nine years. We're overdue. It should have happened a few years ago, but it didn't. Um, his big thing was to invest in gold and silver, like precious metals. Um, this, so was this guy like a survivalist type? Like when it drops this time, brothers, it's going to be forever. <laughs> no, he didn't have a bunch of AKs in his trunk or anything. Okay. Uh, he, uh, I know he's basically just an economist. Um, he moved down to Puerto Rico, um, to avoid some taxes and stuff. Just sounded like a real smart, uh, economist guy. Um, I'm not really sure how you can invest and profit from it. Um, he recommended getting out of all the, all the coins. So okay. He lives down there. His neighbors are basically these guys that, uh, you know, through, um, foresight and probably a lot of luck they became millionaires off of bitcoin you know they're buying it when it was 50 cents and then sold it when it was thousands and uh moved down and became his neighbors and they're super sold on it but he's he's he wasn't but he's also not involved in the crypto so right who knows <laughs> who knows some of these bastards man who got out already with all their dollars 
uh, you know, set, set for life. It's it's kind of I I don't know what adjustment I'm going to make other than I don't have any desire to buy a house right now. I'm going to wait and see what the market does, and if it according to this guy, it should go lower um, than uh, than it was in uh, 2008, which would be insane. But maybe it will. I don't know. Um, then I might get one, or uh, I think one of the like strategies that I'll probably employ until it happens is I've been every, every month I've been throwing a few hundred bucks into the stock market and just kind of willy nilly, like, you know, what tips have I heard? And, um, I haven't made much over the last two years, only like 5% in that account, but I may stop just doing that and start purchasing, uh, precious metals. Um, mm, that's about okay. the only thing I think I can, I don't feel comfortable just selling all my, uh, crypto after hearing one guy on a podcast right well that's you, you don't have like a big chunk of your net worth or on, on there anyway so it's not like uh if, if if tragedy struck well you've got a probably a decent amount now i guess yeah but um i mean not not discussing dollars yeah the people who got rich off crypto i don't know is there really any i mean it really is kind of unprecedented right i mean i know how much am if you someone bought if someone bought $10,000 of Amazon stock 10 years ago, I mean, how much is that worth now? Oh, God. Yeah. It, uh, at last I checked, Amazon was up to $1,700. It's like <laughs> nuts. <laughs> and they have some of the best graphs in the stocks. I mean, if you look at their 20-year uh, right. graph, it's impressive. It just climbs. No, but I mean, how much? But my point is, even like the most spectacular stock growth can't really match what Bitcoin did for if, if, if people were, did it, you know, timed it well. True. I don't know if there'll ever, there's always these things, there's always some, com there's some, there's always going to be some company that, you know, that nobody really knows too much about that some, some bastard's going to put a few thousand on, take a shot and get, <laughs> but the level of growth of Bitcoin and the speed of it, I, I don't know if you'll, there's ever been anything like it or ever will be again. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an economist, so I can't look at history and all that. But uh, I'm guessing even like Mac and I, I think I heard some of the some of the wasn't it the uh, I don't know somebody the Facebook stock was it wasn't there a thing where when they had their first headquarters they hired someone to paint a mural like do you want to do this or do you want like one half of one percent of the company or something <laughs> so rather than getting paid fifty thousand for his artwork he you know he made twenty million or I mean there's all the different stories of making it rich but I just think for some of these guys with their Bitcoin on their palatial estates in mexico there's just there's there's nothing comparable but, yeah uh, you know. yeah uh, th that was a fun couple months <laughs> well yeah but I'm, yeah i'm not even talking about those months i mean like for people who even get it earlier than that um obviously people who got the people who did get in when it was 100 bucks each yeah 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 well i've got a uh, i've got a few hands from a tournament last night sure all right, let's do it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with some strategy. You want to start shipping tournaments? Tournament Poker Edge, or TPE as it's known in the biz, if you fancy. Tournament Poker Edge is the best training site out there for tournaments. If you're serious about getting better at poker, this will be the best thing you've ever done for your tournament game. TPE. Check out the forums. Watch the free training videos. They have over 10 hours of free training videos to watch. Start with those and just devour them. When you sign up, use the code HUPMONTH, HUPQUARTER, or HUPYEAR. You will get a discount. You will SYSC. Save yourself some cash. Tournament Poker Edge. The best tournament training site ever. Okay, this... Uh First hand, um, I played a fifty-five dollar uh, ignition seven K last night. Um, this first hand's kind of quick. I'm just curious what you would do. Um, well, I guess on the flop. <laughs> okay, so we're in the, um, you know, maybe even pre-flop. This might be a little bit loose. This taste. This table was pretty passive. We got eighty something bigs. Uh, the stacks behind us. I have something similar between 40 and 80 bigs. Most of them have around 70. Um, but we're in the beginning stages of the tournament. Uh, blind levels are 75, 150. No ante. And we've got 8, 7 of hearts. 
in the uh, in the low jack. Are you raising this at a passive table? Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. There was an early position raise. No, 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 no. Uh, are you opening it? You're I'm opening yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm opening it at any table. I think, but okay. that's probably might be wrong. But yeah, I love that hand. Okay, me too. All right, uh, we got eight seven of hearts. Uh, we bump it up. Blind levels are seventy five one fifty. We bump it up to four ninety five, and it we get one call from the uh, hijack. He's got forty four bigs. Uh, then it folds around to. Uh, that's it. We're heads up. You said you you made it four ninety five when it was seventy five one fifty. I did, yeah. Is this a, is this a new thing you're experimenting with? The big opens, or I am, yeah. I've been doing it uh, since my coaching session with Alex. Um, trying to now, it's a little bit tougher on Bovada because for some reason, like typing it in is just a bitch. Like you have to click on the numbers several times. Sometimes it takes, sometimes it doesn't. So, right. If uh, if I didn't have to use the slide bar, I would have opened a four sixty six for three point one, uh, but. I, I couldn't. Uh, I really couldn't get it that close with the slide bar, unless you're going to take your all, all of your 30 seconds to get the number exactly right, and then trying to click on the thing. There's something with the software; it just doesn't allow you to click on there and type in the numbers. You know. Okay. Um, but there well are ant- there are there are antes in there. Uh, there shouldn't be. It's 75150. I can well, back some, it up and check. I can't remember some sites. The antes start pretty early there there, uh, there would already be like a 15 ante nope no uh no ante. okay all right uh okay so we open uh eight seven of hearts in the low jack the hijack calls us and we got a pot of twelve fifteen, and the flop is with eight seven of hearts the flop is ace of clubs six of spades five of hearts Okay, so we're open-ended with a backdoor heart draw. There's 12.15 in the pot, and effective stacks are 6,100. So we've got a stack-to-pot ratio of about 5. What uh, what are you thinking here? Um, yeah, I would probably bet. Bet's, bet small here. Okay, what, what's 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 the reasoning for small? Well, if he if you bet bigger and he raises, you might not be getting the right. You kind of have to fold. Um, well, no, I, I guess you could bet. He's he's you don't have to bet big here because basically he's going to be folding everything other than an ace frequently. I mean, he might he might float and stuff. I I, I think you get the same number of folds. Yeah, pretty okay. for the most part. Yeah, I think for, to the average villain, when you bet uh, three fifty here, he's probably folding fifty percent. And when you bet six hundred, he's betting you know ten percent more. Maybe I could I, uh, total conjecture. He's folding all this. But the, the, these, these ace. ace are these. This is just a thing I think for Mark, especially. He he thought I was often see betting too too much that I didn't need, but especially on these ace high boards. Um, people are are giving up a lot. You know what I mean. If they don't, if they didn't hit their set, um, or if they had a couple, they had a couple suited broadways. Unless they have a flush draw too, you know. Um, they're just they're gonna give you credit for an ace. Yeah. Okay. You know, I do that when, uh, like, when I raise and a flop back comes out like this, and I have you know ace queen or something for a top pair. I'll lead out usually for like a third pot. Uh, whether I have the ace or not. And um, it seems to be pretty damn effective. Um, you know, when you don't have the ace, you get a lot of folds, like you're saying. And uh, when you do, you can kind of string them along. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but I went bigger here. I went uh, 925 into 1200, um, which I think is just way too big. I like your sizing a lot better. You know, keep it to like 500 and below. Because I think you're right. He's folding all those broadways there. Maybe he's like peeling with tens or jacks, but I don't think he's going to call a turn bet. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
I, I lead out and he folds, uh, but I was thinking the same thing you were, that uh, that bet sizing is probably just too big for this hand. Because, like, if he comes back over the top, we basically bet 1K. Now we got 2K in there, and he's got six behind. Like, he could really push us off our hand that has a decent amount of equity. That's a good spot to talk about. Yeah, I, I'd be curious how uh, people know what they're doing do. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that spot comes up a fair amount where you open – and on these ace high boards, you have let's say you have a draw. Like I feel like I've played that exact hand a lot of times, and I'm always a little confused. The the other thing is if you, you see bet and they call like what is your double barreling frequency? Because so often they have an ace, and you're there's not a turn card that is going to get them to fold that off if they have an ace. So a lot of times in that spot, let's just say he called. Let's say you bet small and he called. I'm going to bet again, but I'm like, I want it to be small again, rather than because if I check to him, it's going to be big. So I'm betting just still hoping to catch. I, you know, I don't know if it actually, yeah, it's if, like you're, if keeping, I didn't, you're trying to keep him from raising you off your hand. Well, or, or keeping or, or keeping him from betting real big. If you check to him yeah. where you're not going to, you're not getting the price to, to, to draw. So I'm just saying if he called here with a straight draw, if you, if I didn't pick up a flush draw, I might actually be check giving up, um, depending on his sizing quite a bit because yeah. I don't think you can barrel somebody off unless it, you know, unless you're going to just put them on only for some reason, this villain, you're only going to put on crappy aces. If you saw his hand face up and it was ace nine, I still think on ignition, they're not folding that often where you can't think wrap right. a bigger ace and yeah. bet, bet shove on ACR. I think they would fold that. You'd be able to fold with the double or uh, three barreling, but uh, on, on ignition <laughs> i don't think that's the case <laughs> yeah um i don't know you know maybe that hand is uh a hand that i open too much to it could uh, you definitely put yourself because in spots like a this, lot of times know? that's the hand you want to be calling two bets with in position um or just getting in cheap somehow and uh yeah i don't i don't know steve but uh yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I'd be curious if you have the standard open charts where where you where you're supposed to start opening eight seven suited. I'm guessing from the from the low jack it's still an open, but I could be wrong. Okay. Okay. This next one. Uh I thought it was kind of interesting, but I'm curious if this is a bad uh well, I'll, we'll just go through it. Okay. Um so we're in the big blind. Uh it's Folds around to the button, who raises. He does a min raise. Blind levels are 200, 400. Uh, we're in the big blind. Uh, before button comes in, there's a total of 960 in the pot. So that would be, uh, what are the annies there? 40 ante. 40 times ante. Nine, okay. 360, yeah. All right. Uh, so we got a 40 ante, 200, 400. We've got 50 big blinds. The button has... 40. Okay, so okay. 40 bigs effective. Button min raises to 800. Small blind folds. It's on us. And we've got 10 of clubs, 8 of hearts. Um, against the min raise especially, yeah, I'm going to call. Okay. All right. No reason to raise here, right? Uh, if it was like 10-8 suited, I think I might 3-bet this. But offsuit, I think our only option here is calling, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so with 10 8 of clubs, uh, we complete pot is 2160. Again, we got 50 bigs behind. Um, stack to pot ratio is about 7.5 to 1. Uh, flop is 10 of spades, 7 of hearts, 6 of clubs. And okay. we've got 10 8 off. Um, it's on us. 2160 in the pot. Effective stacks are 15K. Uh, you got the whole playbook open here, right, Steve? I think so. What is this guy's button opening range? You got the HUD there? I got the what HUD. Is, We've only got 25 his... hands on him. Okay. Well, that's, um, yeah. And he's a a 36-16. Okay. Yeah, that's not a big enough sample to really... Not uh, really, no. Make too much out. Yeah. I mean, usually this is a check call spot. Okay. Although, because you also have the straight draw... 
We got a gut um, shot and I don't give us a straight. Yeah. Yeah. This would be one of those things. If he was an earlier position, it might be a better candidate to check race because he he's unlikely to have two pair and a lot of other combos, but here when he's opening the button, he's opening wide. Um, he that that doesn't that hand's not necessarily better for our range than his. So yeah, I'm I'm just gonna check call. Okay. I thought the uh, same. I thought about leading here, but I don't want to get raised off our hand. Um, but I think a check call keeps all those bluffs in, and um, yeah, I think it's pretty likely we have the best hand here. Uh, okay, so we check. He checks behind. Right. Okay. Um, so what what do you what are you ranging him on? At this point, um, yeah, two overs that missed, or likely, um, yeah. I mean, you're likely ahead here. Obviously, I guess he would. I don't know if he ever checks back sets. Uh, you block the nuts. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm putting him on smaller pairs and uh, you know, air. Okay. All right. I think the same. Okay, so uh, with 10 of clubs, 8 of hearts, we got 10-8 off suit in the big blind. The button raised us. We completed, and then we went check-check on the flop. The flop was 10 of spades, 7 of hearts, 6 of clubs, and the turn is the jack of spades. So the board now is jack of spades, 10 of spades, 7 of hearts, 6 of clubs. And we have the 10 of clubs, 8 of hearts. And it's on us. What uh, what are you thinking here? Um. Still in bluff catcher mode, I think. I don't think you can bet here. I think you got to call. Just check again. Okay, check call again. Um, I think that's what I would do. I mean, again, you you can actually get value here. I mean, we can get called by worse people that can call with ace with ace queen, ace king. Especially those have straight draws now. Um. Yeah, maybe maybe bet a little bet is is the way to go here. So yeah, I, in the moment I was thinking we could get value from if he picked up a spade draw. We don't have any spades, so we don't block that. So all all the spades are in his range. Um, if he's got king queen, we can get value from that. We can get value from ace queen, ace king, like you said. Uh, we're behind any jack that he has now, um, but if so, if if he raised the button with something like. I was going to say eight seven, but we blocked that. But if if he has a seven in his hand, uh, maybe we get value from that. A seven. I don't know. That might be a little ambitious yeah. to think he's going to call with a seven there with a jack and a ten out. Uh, yes, you made a decent argument for betting here, though. Uh, like I said, the draws and the big aces. Um, Yeah, I don't know how often someone's going to bluff raise here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I I, I bet out. Uh, I bet out small. Um, I bet out into twenty one sixty. I bet uh, six seventeen. So, uh, what is that? Less than a third pot. Is that too small? Okay. I think. Um, I mean, all all the broadways are calling, right? Uh, I, I was just thinking. This is why I didn't want to bet because, in like in these hands, I'm often playing against myself, and um, I do think I sniff out weakness pretty good. Um, so I, I'm like, if you bet small here, I would be um, raising bluff raising quite a bit, semi bluff raising. If I did pick up, if I had the ace queen and picked up the straight draw, um. You know, with the ace of spades to block the nuts kind of shit. Um, so that was going to be my argument for not betting small here. But, uh, you know, you bet two-thirds, it looks like a more confident bet. Um, if you want to just take it down. I mean, we're, we're, we're turning 10-8 in a bluff here, basically, I think, more than like looking for value, right? Um, I don't know, Steve. I have never – this is why you should be talking to Carlos – he knows a lot, uh, you know. Anytime I ask him a question, it's like without hesitation. He has maybe not the answer, capital letters underlined, but it's something he's thought about many times. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go with my my. Uh, so you bet small. I did, yeah. 
okay, that's fine. You can get called by worse. We know that for sure. You can get called by ace high. Yeah. You bet two. You bet two thirds pot here. Ace X probably folds, but if you bet small, um, they might you know talk themselves into a call here. Okay, I bet small and uh, I make it six seventeen into twenty one hundred, and then he raises to two thousand. This is the predicament you were talking about, betting small. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is where some of these, uh, you know, if you're playing an ACR and you had a thousand hands on them, some of these guys who are, you know, the real top guys are do all sorts of study. And basically the question would be, well, is this guy going to shove, capable of shoving river in a bluff? Because if, if he is, you got to fold now. Yeah. But if you think it's like he's just stabbing here and he might he might just check behind give up on the river, I think you can call. So there's like that river aggression frequency or something. There, there's like a HUD answer to this probably. Yeah. Just throw that out. Um, I don't know. I'm skeptical. What 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 value hands is he doing this with? He's not checking back. Well, it was a rainbow flop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess sometimes he is checking back um, sets. But even if he was checking back over pairs for balance, I mean, how often is our aces and kings playing it this way? Um, they'd have to be worried about two pair. But I don't know. If, you had, if, you, if I had aces here and I had checked the flop, which I would do sometimes, I might raise here with one pair just because of your bet size. Okay. Raise for value, and then if somehow you shove, I can fold. So um, I don't think – in other words, I don't think he's super polarized where it's either um, – The nuts or nothing. Yeah, or the, the – yeah, I don't know if it's ever nothing here. I mean, sometimes it is. It should be like – he should have a draw. Uh, but uh, Queen nine or something. Huh? Yeah, I mean sometimes I'll, I'll just fucking do this with pocket threes and say, no, 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 this is my pot. You know, but, uh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not how the smart people are doing it. Um, I might call, I, I don't know the, the fact that he's a 36, 16, if you had more hands, that's usually considered a passive player when there's that big of a gap. Yeah. Um, which makes you that, or at least that, that's your passive preflop numbers, which makes it maybe a little less likely that he, um, he is, is, uh, is bluffing here. Yeah. So you do you lay it down? Do you call? What do you do? I don't know. You're getting quite a quite a price to call here, right? Twenty six plus forty four hundred thirteen to win forty four hundred. I mean, uh, forty a, almost forty eight hundred in the pot, and it's uh, yeah, like fourteen for us to call. It's forty eight hundred in the pot. So yeah. yeah, basically, I mean, if yeah, I might call. Okay. All right, I flick in a call. I guess in in the moment I was thinking I'm ahead of king queen. I'm ahead of ace king. I'm ahead of ace queen. Um, you have you a know, draw towards it. You have queen do, nine, do. two spades. Um, you know he can't have two spades that beat us unless he's got uh, six, seven of spades. I uh, right. I don't know. I thought maybe it was worth flicking it in. Uh, so we flick it in. Pot is sixty one hundred now. Effective stacks are thirteen k. So it's about two to one. The river is the five of hearts. So we got 10, uh, 10, offsuit. Final board is Jack of spades, 10 of spades, seven of hearts, six of clubs, five of hearts. So eight, nines, the nuts. Um, what, uh, are you ever betting the, the river? Um, it's just a check call, right? I mean, if you wanted to turn it into a bluff, if you uh, if you shove here um, or bomb it, he's really can only call with uh, a straight, which you block. Yeah, obviously, which you block. And you know how many four X does he have? Um, yeah, if you wanted to turn your hand into bluff, it's not it's not terrible. Um, I mean, if we shove though, I think. Ignition, they might call, the average player might call it the jack there, you think? 
Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised. That's that's probably a site that it's, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be totally surprised. They're probably always putting the person on a misdraw, you know, kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> you missed his flush. Um, yeah, it's check, and um, I'm going to have a lot of, I, I want to see how big he bets. Okay. All right. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what betting accomplishes here, unless you're you're betting to get him. You'd be betting as a bluff here, clearly, right? I, I don't. I can't picture him calling with a worse hand if we bet. So you're betting as a bluff. You're trying to. You'd be trying to get him to get uh, fold, basically a jack, or if, if somehow he has an overpair. Yeah. Yeah. And to do that, we'd have to bet. I would think really big. I mean, or you could make it valuey, but we've also said they don't like to fold on this site, so. Um. Yeah, I'm checking. Okay. All right, we check. Uh, villain into uh, basically 6K in the middle. He bets a little bit more than a half pot. He bets uh, 3,500. So we got 9,600 in the middle, and it's 35 for us to call. I think it's a fold. That's what I was thinking. Um. um yeah, I mean that's just my first my first instinct is it's a fold. Okay. If he has something, if he has a big hand, I I if I had uh, a set here or a straight, I'd be betting pretty big. I wouldn't be betting small for value because you called it you called a a raise on the turn. That's usually pretty strong stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um so yeah, I don't know if we can make anything about it. He was maybe kind of large sizing that I don't know, his sizing is is I don't think we could really glean in any information from that. Um that's my first instinct is fold again. I couldn't uh again all those misdraws if you think this guy the, the fact that he's a pa- I think I'm I think this guy's a passive player and he just doesn't bluff enough. Okay. But if we thought he was a kind of player who's going to make all sorts of semi bluffs on the turn um. Then, uh, then, then you might have to look, to look him up here, but I, I don't think he's that kind of player. Okay, I uh, he bets, and I took a while, and I kept thinking to myself, I think this is a fold. I think this is a fold, but I end up calling. I think my reasoning was if he's got ace king, ace queen, king queen. Any of his uh, uh, flush draws that missed on the river, um, he has to bet those or he can't win. And so my reasoning there was calling. But again, he's also got uh, sets and two pairs and stuff in his range too. But um, having the eight blocking the uh, the straight, I felt like it was a, it was a call, but uh, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I end up calling, um, and he shows up with. Ace four off suit. Okay. So, absolutely so, nothing. So you're playing with a Snyderman there, pretty much, yeah. I think so, yeah. But my, this is what's so tough about uh, ignition is because you know the the stats reset on each guy, and you have no idea who you're playing, so you can't get those thousand hands on the regulars to to really kind of dissect the HUD and, and look at this stuff. But um, I don't know if it. I, I felt like that probably should have been long term a uh, a fold on the turn, but I, I don't know if my analysis was if I was able to articulate why I called or I don't know. I wanted to pick your brain about it. Well, I, I'm just quickly looking at it. it. Looks like you only have to be right about 36 percent of the time on the river. Yeah. Okay. To make the call, so eh, maybe it was okay then. Um, I mean, this time I was right, but in the long run, I don't know. I think just as a general rule, um, it's always better to be. If you think someone's weak, it's always be betting to rebluff them rather than trying to hero call. Uh, okay. As a as like a general rule in in like the cash games, if I'm like, oh, he's weak here, the most he can have is this, that, the other. If I'm thinking of making a big call with second pair, then why not raise a river? Uh. You're a lot more sure to take it down than wondering if your hand is good. Right. Um, I don't know if I really put that into action, but 
I mean, it's just something I'm. I, I don't know where I heard someone said that. Just, just get the get rid of the hero, uh, get rid of the hero calls and increase your, you know, late um, your river bluffing frequency, if anything. Okay. Yeah. Just turn up the aggression. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, I got another one here. This hand here. Okay. All right. We're down to out of a hundred and some odd players. We're down to eleven. Okay. So we're almost on the. Uh, uh, final table bubble, and we are five-handed, and it folds to the button who min raises. So blind levels are thirty-five hundred seven k. With antes, the pot is fourteen k before we start, and uh, button raises. He min raises to fourteen k. He's got fifty-nine big blinds. We're in the small blind with. 20 big blinds and queen 10 offsuit. Uh, are you the short stack of the table or what? what is the... We are, let's see, we've got 59 big blinds who's opening on the button. We have 20. The big blind has 38. Um, and the two other players have 20 and 16 big blinds. So we're kind of in the middle. Bottom, bottom um, edge of the middle. <laughs> well, shove or fold, obviously, I think it's a spot for. Okay. All right. Um, I agree. And, again, this would have to – this is one of those things you could take the equity calculator out. How often is he opening and how often have you, have you been shoving? Um, if he's opening frequently to make this profitable, you need to be him to be shoving um, some hands that beat you probably, right? So if you haven't been doing this, if you think it's a good time to make a move because you, uh, you've been kind of passively waiting for a spot, then you're certainly getting a lot of folds here. He's probably folding crummy aces, um, king nine suited. If it's profitable, I, I, I sense, though, if, if you, you know, do all the, the math, it's like you're winning like a half a big blind here or something. I would probably, if I'm playing well, just fold and think there's a better spot coming up. Okay. That's my first instinct. I think you're right. Um, looking back over the other hands, I had been, I'd been kind of shoving, um, you know, doing a lot of, you know, like there'd be a limp and then I'm on the button with pocket sixes and I got 21 big blinds, just shove it in, blinds fold, original limper folds, a lot of that, you know? Okay. So probably a because yeah, of that, what, but yeah, I, I like what you're saying. If I hadn't been real active game flow, uh, my appearance was really tight. Then this is probably a great spot to shove because I'll pick up his two bigs, and unless the bl big blind wakes up with a hand, then I mean, is he opening every button? Pretty much, you think? I, I don't guy? remember. Um, his numbers are thirty-nine twenty-six, but again, we're kind of short-handed. Uh, and this is only 23 hands, so that's probably about right. Right. Again, not a really a big enough sample size. Um, I don't think shoving is a mistake. It's probably profit. It's probably profitable. I think you're getting a lot of folds. Um, you do block some of his calling range there, you know, with queens, obviously. Um. So, I mean, you don't want him to call, but, you know, it's not like, uh, yeah, I, fold. I say fold. Okay. All right. I end up shoving, and then the uh, big blind wakes up with ace-queen. Original uh, opener folds, and we don't catch a 10. So. Right. Well, that's just kind of lucky, unlucky. I know that part is, but I'm wondering about the initial shove right there against the uh, against the button. Because, um, I mean, the big blind has to wake up there with basically what he did, or maybe ace-jack. And uh, But that does fa that does factor into the math true. When, you're, when you're running it all through, but the fact that there's someone else in the hand and not simply that you're closing the action on the big blind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I need to, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not planning on playing too much online, so those spots are not things that I'll probably be studying quite as diligently. But, um, yeah, but in that spot, just generally speaking, I mean, that's what you're looking for with 20 bigs. You're not looking to open pots or 
hit flops, you're looking to shove over late position openers. Yeah. Yeah. And you had the guy the late the, the the guy with all the chips opened from the button and you know what I mean? You got uh, a one gapper, pretty decent hand. So yeah, not a bad hand to do it with. Okay. All right. With King Jack or Queen Jack, I'm doing that all day long without a second thought. But I thought Queen Ten, especially off suit, I wasn't really sure. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's right there. Yeah. I agree. Okay. All right. Cool. That's uh that's all I got. Um Oh, if you guys want your, uh, if you guys want to uh, participate for the uh, live video series, uh, live tells for Zach Elwood, here's what you do, and here's how to win it. Send in a poker hand that you had, a live one, and include any visual tells that you might have had, or that you thought you might have had, which led you to calling or to folding. Uh, or you can find one on TV and email me the link so that Zach and I can watch it and we can talk about it on the show. Best entry will win his lifetime video series, which I've watched twice already. Highly recommended. And uh, I'm going to run through it a third time. I think it's one of those ones that you kind of need to, um, you know, watch once a year just to refresh everything. Kind of like sure. reading uh, The Theory of Poker or, or one of those uh, standard books you know just a good refresher to uh um to just keep your live game on i can't tell you how many times that <laughs> one of the best ones uh, zach has it in his videos he calls it uh, uh standing up after a bet oh there's also the other one too of raising your arms after a bet uh leaning way back in your chair they can kind of go in the same category and i saw a guy do this at the 1k um event that i played at the wsop and I'm like, this guy has aces. He's just every fucking time. The look on his face, the way he moved his arms up, the side that he made. And those are all described in Zach Elwood's videos. And I was able to fold jacks there. And you know what? The other guy had kings and he couldn't fold. <laughs> and the guy had aces. <laughs> it was, um, it was, yeah. Awesome. I got a, some, somebody, um, I had a monster hand a few weeks ago. And I do, I guess, like a false tell. I try to do like a, not move around to any, but just do like an ever slightest um, lean back for like just like an inch. Yeah. Before I make it like lean back and then move forward again. Yep. Sort of like, oh, I'm weak, but I'm going to do strength, you know, kind of thing. But th this is all a good argument for all these top players who just don't move a muscle. Yeah. You know, stand rock strength. But uh, afterwards, a guy I know is, is like, of course, he's, no, he's not bluffing. He's never bluffing. Did you see him? Did you see him lean back? So I guess he had a read. <laughs> He had a read on me. This is when I try to do the false. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the uh, the one thing I got from that book there, which get the, the one of the bigger hands I ever lost. I think we discussed this. I'm sure back in the day, it, it absolutely crushed me at the time. It was like an eight thousand dollar hand. I think it was like a six jack jack six flop where I had pocket sixes. OK. And um, I bet I bet 10 on the river. I bet. And this guy was just absolutely shit faced. Um, crazy plays all the time. But uh, he shoves, and I think my bet on the river was probably only like 400 bucks, and he yeah. shoved big. The flush came in. Um, it's a tough spot, obviously. Wait, wait. You said the board was 6-jack-jack-6-10? 6-10? was the flop. I oh, flopped okay. full I flopped a full house. I don't okay. know what the turn was. The 10 oh. was on the river. Okay. So um, I've, got the, I've got the third nuts. Only jack-10 and jacks beat me. And 10s, yeah. Well, jack six, too, I guess. Okay. Um, oh, tens, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, so there's a few things that beat me. Um, and I just remember me set, trying to put him on hands. I'm like, you got the flush, right? He's like, I do not have the flush. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm like, well, ace jack. I do not have ace jack. And so there's part where Zach Elwood says is anytime they verbally will take big hands out of their range. Yeah. They're even bigger. Yeah. Yep. Um. So that was like spot on there. And, and I think there's a couple of other times I've seen that because normally if you have, yeah, if you're like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just spot on in that spot where I know I've seen it a few times. And for a guy who talks, cause yeah, if you're bluffing, you never, obviously you're just, you're just shutting the fuck up there or you're talking, but you're not, you're not, no, I could have it. I might not have it. But when you say you're taking it totally out of your range, then it's like, you know, then it's, it's usually stronger. So I wish I, I read his book years ago. I would, I would have been uh, $4,000 richer right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
And I could use money. What's that? And I could use $4,000, Steve. I think we all could, Mikey. I think we all could. By the way, I think Alex uh, Venosa is willing to be, be, be come back on the show. He's one of our favorite guests. One of our nice. favorite. People. Yes. So he was he was trying to disown us for a while here, Steve. I know. I know. <laughs> I think I think Alex. Well, I'll let him tell. I think he's really he's he's going to end up in Vegas. Good. He's got his his good buddies, his crew. He's just so damn good at poker, he can make money. I think long term, he probably will return to some sort of something in the academic world. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's young, right? He's whatever he is, twenty-four. So six uh, or something, yeah. But um, yeah, so he's willing to be come back on there, and well, I'm sure we'll we'll find some good guests either way. Well, he's one of those guys, kind of like uh, Mike Pearson, that they're so intelligent they could do whatever the hell they want, you know, um, whatever it is that they're interested, in, whatever they like to do, um, you know, they just have that mind that I mean, like, were you there when those guys were playing speed chess? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, Mike was playing two guys at the same time, and it's this on two different chessboards, and it's timed. And uh, and not only that, but the caveat of this game, it's called Bug Out, is whenever you remove a piece from one of the chessboards, because there's two of them, you have to now put that over on the other chessboard, and you can now introduce that piece to the other game, and vice versa. Huh, so there's that, a whole other level to this chess that is a lot of fun, but. To play it as fast as those guys do, if you guys know the ranking systems in chess, 1,200 is what you start at. Uh, after playing it for a year, I was up to about 1,400. Um, these guys, Mike, his level, I believe, was 24 or 2,500. Uh, just unbelievably good. Mike That's was on his way to becoming like a grandmaster, like a true elite, I think, of the game. He and, was. And he just got burned out and gave it up at age 14 or whatever. I mean, he got yes. it, you know, like anything else. <laughs> well, I mean, Steve, it is something that, you know, we have our own little uh, areas of expertise. You could probably could unhook three bras at the same time. One with the left hand, one with the right hand, and one with your teeth where you w- would just be chewing it off. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's still getting it off. Still effective. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we all have our. Uh, I just got to figure out how how that talent can uh, can earn me some dough. No, it's useless, Steve. I know, I know. <laughs> right. Okay, on. homie. Well, I will uh, talk to you soon. Alrighty, brother. And you guys can uh, submit your hand. Heads up, poker dot poker. Go to submit your hand while you're there. Uh, bookmark us on Amazon. Every little purchase that you make on Amazon will get kicked back to the podcast. It doesn't cost you any extra. And a, um, a little bit of percentage goes back to the show. Thank you for tuning in. And here is your weekly motivational speech. I'm motivated by fear. I hate being scared to do something. I started attacking things that I was scared of. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. Fear is a choice. Make a choice. Just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. Just decide. And then from that point, the universe is going to get out your way. God placed the best things in life on the other side of terror. On the other side of your maximum fear are all of the best things in life. How do you get to the gym every day? You step. How do you change your diet? You step. How do you overcome fear of failure, fear of success, or or fear of fear itself. Take the step. And how do you face the fear of the unknown step? You have the physical body to do something. You have the mental capacity to believe in it. Now what do you want? It's a seed that's planted at birth inside of every single soul. 99% of the people Never let that seed blossom into anything. And it's the trials and tribulations through life that either make that seed blossom or not. We all fall down in life. The question is, who gets back up? 
go after and you give it all you have. If you lose, at least you try, man. I failed. It's ten times more of a man than someone said, what if? Because what if never went to the arena? When you guys find a fear, that fear will either create you or destroy you. Behind every fear is a person you want to be. Success is not a marathon of life with just ups. Success is formulated through failures, through facing your fears, through falling down and getting back up. That's what creates a champion. Success does not define us. We define the success. Don't wait anymore. Don't think anymore. Don't plan anymore. Don't contemplate anymore. Don't make any more excuses or justifications. Don't rationalize anything else. Instead, be aggressive. Take action now. The first step you need to take is just that. Step.